everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. Tim Ryder from the Apple. Guys, um, the Mets have turned into a little baby buzzsaw, haven't they? Uh, you had four against the Cubs. Mets took three of four. Before that, they took two or three from the Padres. Both are very, very good teams. You know, this group just keeps kind of rolling right along. They're, uh, they're really the the starting pitching has been terrific. The 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 bullpen. I mean, we've we've talked about this so many times on the show before, but you know the um <laughs> the the identity has been chosen for this team. This group is a uh, they're they're a team of fighters. There's no quitting this team. They just keep on moving. Um, it doesn't matter the 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 obstacles or the adversity that that's put in front of them. Um, it's they they are just moving um expeditiously towards the goal and it's been very very cool to see uh we're going to get into everything as far as what's been going on of course you know let's just jump right into Jacob DeGrom of course on his start on Wednesday <laughs> struck out eight batters through three perfect innings notched another RBI so now he has six RBIs on the season compared to four earned runs in total over 67 innings pitched, which is just mind-blowing. Um, of course, Jake left the game, you know, apparently at the time, we all saw it kind of play out in real time, uh, left the game abruptly, looked very angry, um, or at least concerned, leaving the dugout. Um, as he was leaving, everyone was kind of Joking around, smiling. A few minutes later, SNY showed the dugout, and you know everyone's faces had dropped. Um, I think I speak for myself. I speak for just about all of us. Um, you know, everyone kind of expected the worst. Uh, came out a few innings later that he left with right shoulder tightness, which, um, of course, we're all familiar with the old uh, medical adage: uh, the Shoulder bones connected to the elbow bone, the elbow bones connected to the wrist bone, you know, backbone, neck bone. You guys know that song. You know how the old, uh, the old, the old sing along goes. It's just, um, you know, it's natural to kind of, oh, you know, this is, this is terrible. This is awful. Um, and we said it last week after Jake hurt his elbow or left early because of elbow soreness. Nobody knows their body better or Jacob deGrom's body better than Jacob deGrom. Um, having the wherewithal to come out and say, all right, guys, something's up. Let's go ahead and, and put the brakes on and see what's going on is a, it's a prudent move. It's, it's the smart move. Uh, sure. It's got, <laughs> it had the entire fan base on the edge of their seats. My buddy, uh, my buddy, Chris, and my friend from over at card on card, Twitter also, uh, follows over on the, on the main account. I think he put it perfectly. It felt like our, our dog ran away collectively. And it was just sadness. You don't know what to expect. And I think I said it at the time, or maybe even on, on Thursday morning, um, you know, even if Jacob deGrom was to miss some time, um, the, the, the unaffected nature of this team through everything else they've been through in the last, you know, two and a half months, I, I'm not really concerned. The, the starting pitching has been outstanding outside of Jacob deGrom. We saw it for Marcus Stroman on, on Thursday night, even in a loss. Again, he can't, he can't win them all. And, uh, and Marcus Stroman certainly did all he could to kind of keep that train moving on Wednesday against the Cubs. Um, we'll, we'll get into that shortly, but just wanted to f finish up on Jake. 
Uh, yeah, word started leaking out early on Thursday afternoon that the initial prognosis from the first doctor that DeGrom saw uh, was, you know, green lights all around, everything looked okay. I think John Heyman was the first to report that. A short while after, um, Louis Rojas spoke about it, said that both, uh, both I guess, DeGrom saw two doctors. Both doctors were uh, in agreement that there were no real issues there. They're going to take things day by day, which, of course, is very smart. Um, you know, it, they're, they're playing it safe. Um, Rojas did note that Jake would be making his – well, they, they are still, I guess, debating whether to allow Jake to make his next start. As I said, as he, as he said, it's going to be a day-by-day thing. But he does um, appear to be avoiding a trip to the I.L., which is – Encouraging. It's probably not what half of you folks um, would would prefer. I guess everyone, a lot of people, want to play it very safe. I should say, and uh, and give them a quick IL trip. And you know, if that's avoidable, great. Um, again, I think it comes back to Jacob Degrom knowing his body better than anybody else. And if if he says he's good, then you know the show must go. Well, the show not must go on. But let's let's keep this mother rolling. Um, that being said, I mean, the Mets came back after DeGrom left on Wednesday, put a few more runs on the board. Just They keep on winning. So they come into Thursday night. I think they had won 8 of 10. Uh, again, they, they were looking for a sweep. Marcus Stroman comes in. He puts up seven innings of two earned runs, four hits, eight strikeouts, one walk. Picked up 12 called strikes on 49 sinkers. Had whiff rates of 50% and 57% on his splitter and slider, respectively. Uh, ERA's down to 2.35 on the year. You know, Marcus Stroman has become just the uh, the epitome of consistency. He goes out every single time he competes. When he doesn't have his best stuff and he gets into trouble, he finds his way out of it. I mean, you know, that first inning, uh, Javi Baez, who I'm a, I'm a big fan of Javi Baez. I know his game is... Somewhat inconsistent. I, I don't want to say he's streaky because even on bad days, he's still pretty good. Um, you know, he, he just he, he made a couple of terrific plays throughout the series in the field at shortstop. But, you know, hit a home run into the apple. And I guess that was a bit deflating. Um, I know personally I expected the Mets to kind of come back and do something uh, throughout the game. Early on, uh, they were really all over Kyle Hendricks. I think uh, I want to say Dom. Yeah, I have it here. Uh, Dom's. First inning, uh, well, I should start it off. Jonathan VR led off the first with a double. Uh, Lindor struck out. Pete struck out. Dom's line out to first base had an 850 expected batting average. He smoked that thing. It wasn't a really, you know, it, it was a well-struck ball. I think it was like a low 80-mile-per-hour exit velocity. Nothing crazy, but it, it was a base hit in, in most books. But uh, it just happened to go right at Rizzo, and, and that'll happen. And then in the bottom of the second, Billy McKinney leads off with a double. And uh, I think PR's liner to third base had like a 520 expected batting average. Just they were all over Hendricks and he was leaving a lot of stuff over the plate. And you know, I said it on Twitter. I said, oh, man, they're all over him. Give it, you know, just give it time. And boy, that time never came. <laughs> he, uh, you know, Hendricks is a, is a veteran guy. He's a location guy. He's a precision guy. And yeah, he found his, um he found his groove and, and didn't really leave and, you know, at that point, the Mets were just uh, kind of flailing. After seeing mid-80s all night, the Cubs bullpen comes in, and 
they pick things up on Velo, and then Kimbrel comes in, and he looks awesome. And, uh, yeah, you know, you can't win them all. We said it before, but, uh, you know, the Mets have done a very, very good job of, of bouncing back from these things. We've seen it all year. Um, would it have been nice to sweep the Cubs? Sure, of course. But you have, ooh, I believe it's 16 games in the next 13 days against all NL East opponents. That starts with four in Washington with a doubleheader on Saturday. It's one o'clock and six o'clock, so um, might even be able to find a little time to to have a little fun on your Saturday during the day there. Uh, you got four in Atlanta following, I'm sorry, four at home versus Atlanta following that starting Monday with a doubleheader. Got an off day on Thursday, which they don't see many of those over the next <laughs> over the next uh, few weeks until the um, the All Star break. Followed by four versus Philly at City Field. Monday, that finishes up on Sunday, Monday, June 28th, they go to Washington for a one-off. Uh, there's a makeup from earlier in the season. And then from Tuesday the 29th through Thursday, they're in Atlanta. From there, for 4th of July weekend, you head back uh, back to New York, but not home just yet. You're going over to the Bronx for a three-game series with the Yankees, which is, is never... Uh, Never easy. That's a good team. They might not be playing consistent baseball, but that's still a very, very talented team. Um, curious to see whether they line up with uh, with Cole because he's been doing some terrific things. I don't know if you guys saw. He threw a 95-mile-an-hour changeup on Wednesday night. Um, Lindsay Adler, who uh, very big fans of Lindsay's work over here, she asked him in post game. I guess confirmed that it was a 95-mile-an-hour uh, changeup. He said yes. And I guess her, her first reaction, I don't know if this was just, uh, you know, instant, but it was how. And I think that's the question all of us had in our minds is how. And, uh, you know, I think Cole was just as, uh, just as tickled by it. He's like, you know, what, what do you want me to say? You know, he's throwing gas and uh, he's a very talented pitcher. And I'm curious to see how this whole uh, sticky stuff situation pans out for him. But we're going to see a lot of that going around the league over the next couple of weeks uh, outside of Cole. I guess, you know, everyone's going to be learning to scour StatCast spin metrics to see who's dropping off. And if you guys want a, a quick idea on how to do that, uh, if you go to BaseballSavant.com, up along the top, uh, you'll see, if you mess with the calendar, you can go on a day-by-day -day basis. But you'll see all the games up across the top of the screen. From there, if you go to, let's say, if you go to uh, Thursday night's Mets game, and you scroll down a bit, you'll see a little drop down that says scoreboard. Go down from there, go to player breakdowns, and you will see every pitcher from that night's game. So you'll start with Hendricks, Andrew Chafin, Ryan Tapera, Craig Kimbrell. Go down to Stroman, and you can see that his spin rates on his sinker did drop about 100 RPM. Cutter dropped about 130 RPM. No, these are blips on the radar. No big deal there. Um, let's, you know, just for shits and giggles, let's kind of scroll down. Familia was uh, 77 down on his RPMs on his sinker, 20 RPMs down on his fastball. That's nothing. Trevor May. I don't know if you guys caught Trevor May's video on Thursday on his YouTube channel. He really got into the, uh, the grip agents conversation, and it was um, – it was genuine. It was he. He really took Major League Baseball the task. I highly suggest checking that out. But just finishing up with this little part here. 
Holy cow. Absolutely, yeah, nothing. All of them under 100 change in RPM. Absolutely nothing at all. And I, I don't know if you guys checked it out. I wrote about uh, Trevor May on Tuesday or Wednesday at the Apple. Yeah, Wednesday during the day. Didn't write anything on Thursday. It was actually really, really nice to take a day off. So uh, you guys are getting all my thoughts in the episode. Uh, talked about Trevor May on Wednesday. Uh, if you go over his first, oh, I don't know, 13 appearances of the season, he, he was really good. Um, I think his first 12, uh, after his first appearance, he, if, yeah, first appearance of the season in Philly uh, versus Philly. Went 12 consecutive appearances after that without allowing a run. Since then, he's had like an 8.38 ERA. Um, he has not been being used, has not been being used as a, uh, I guess, as regularly as he was earlier in the season. I broke this all down for the Apple. You guys can go check that out. But, um, you know, consecutive days have pretty much, up until I wrote the article, were pretty much falling by the wayside for him, even pitching on two days apart, which was pretty much his schedule during his first, you know, dozen or so appearances. And he thrived under those conditions. Um, he only did that twice over the last, I guess it was 12 or 11 appearances uh, up until Wednesday. And I think that's affected him. I think he pitches, you know, and again, this is outside perspective, but I think he pitches better if he's getting consistent work. I also talked about his fastball location, which, uh, you know, consistently is high and inside to right-handed hitters, if you can visualize that. And he did it a bunch on, on I guess, Wednesday and Thursday night. Two shutdown innings really did very well. Wednesday especially, he used a slider terrifically. He struck out the side, just absolutely terrific, uh, encouraging sign for May. If he's you know if he's doing well, that's another big, big, very sturdy foundational leg in the bullpen. And uh, as good as this bullpen has been, if you have everyone firing on all cylinders, it's even better. So, but uh, yeah, he, he's you know his changeups getting touched up considerably. Um, to a, almost a concerning point. But as I was saying in the article, he's putting his fastball in the same spot pretty much every time. He's, like I said, into high and inside to right-handers in the strike zone. But up in that, like, if you're looking from the, from the mound, it's that top right quadrant. In that case where he's pretty much telegraphing the location of his fastball every time, you know, it lets hitters pick up on it that much quicker, which in turn, they're not hitting his slider. But, his changeup, which of course they can pick up on it because it's coming in at a slower velo, and now it's it's deviating from the path that the fastball was on, and it's clearly not a slider. Um, they could sit on that and then take it the other way, or, or just clobber it as they have been. I think it's got like a six hundred slugging against. Um, you know that's not going to play. But as we've said many times on the show, this is all about adjustments, and uh, yeah, you know. You keep moving forward, and from what we saw on thir- on Wednesday night and then Thursday night, uh, it certainly seems like like Trevor May's getting back into the swing of things. You know, as far as the offense, um, I know we've talked about it a bunch on here. Uh, some of the more regular or, or more counted on pieces are really starting to to find their grooves. It's still an up and down battle, but you know, you look at Dom Smith who was on a tear and then fell into like a 0 for 21 slump. And, um, you know, since then he's been right back to uh, to getting the job done. It's actually really uh, encouraging. And you can look at Francisco Lindor and say the same thing. I mean, he's been um, up and down, to say the least. He's still 
I guess you could say struggling to find his uh his rhythm, but when he's in, you can tell he's that player. I don't think he was that guy on on Thursday. He did not look comfortable in the plate, but hey, you know, guys are going to have their nights. Um, over the last two weeks, Lindor's hitting 250, 388, 450. That's over 49 plate appearances. Like that's that's going to be all right. 141 weighted runs created plus. He's 41% better than average. That's going to play. Uh, you might be surprised to see who the next the Mets well, by far uh, by by very far my goodness uh, the Mets best player by weighted runs created plus over the last two weeks is Billy McKinney he's hitting three hundred three four ten six thirty six slugging uh, da, da, da. he's got two home runs he's got eight driven in he's striking out thirty percent of the time but hey you know. What are you going to do? He's walking 15% of the time, which we love that. And, um, yeah, you know, guys just keep on stepping up. James McCann is still hitting well over his last two weeks. He's at 265, 342, 471. Alonzo's at 262, 319, 500. Um, yeah, guys, I'm not concerned at all. There's going to be peaks and valleys, ebbs and flows. You know, this is all the same stuff we've been talking about for a long time. But, uh, yeah. The Mets are going to head into a a, a a very very familiar stretch, uh, a stretch of games against a lot of familiar opponents, I should say, over the next week or so, and um, it, you know they're heading into it with a with a comfortable lead. I think the Phillies are in. No, the Braves are playing on Thursday. The Phillies were not. So the Mets head into Friday four and a half up on the Phillies. Um, the Washington Nationals are playing good. I think they had they've won six of eight or something along those lines. Um, that's a, you know, a formidable squad if they're playing their game and, uh, you almost have to, you can't overlook them. You can't overlook anybody, but, um, these next 16 games over the next two weeks are going to be, uh, a chance for the Mets to really open things up if they play their game. And even if you're only missing DeGrom once and with double headers, I think that would still bring him back into Tuesday versus Atlanta. So, you know, if time allows for it, if he's feeling up to it, I mean, this group might really might not miss a beat. You have Lucchese, who's really, really coming into his own. Peterson coming off a very strong start. Walker and Stroman, who have been outstanding. Not concerned on that end. You're going to have Conforto coming back soon. You might have McNeil back on Friday. As soon as Friday, you really don't know when that's going to take place. Guillaume's back in the mix, and Rojas was absolutely speaking his praises uh, all week, saying how he's really coming into his role uh, just as that super utility guy, and he can do it all. He does it all very good, too. That's a really cool sign to see. You know, you're going to have to cross the bridge as far as what happens with some of these bench guys. Um, you know, you have a lot of very potent options now on your bench, including some of the guys who kind of made a name for themselves over the first two months of the season, your Peraza's, your VR's. I mean, we've had this conversation on Twitter a couple of times in the last few weeks. If J.D. Davis, if and when he comes back healthy, um, you're really going to have to make a decision as to where how much time he sees at third base. You're going to have VR, who's been playing outstanding, uh, I think Gary Cohen made a note during the broadcast on Thursday. Um, VR's hitting 500 out of the leadoff spot, which is just, you know, ridiculous. This is a guy who is pegged for a bench role, and he's come in and become a, a leader. It, it's just terrific stuff. Um, we said Peraza. You have McKinney out there now who's pretty much assured himself a spot. 
Uh, I hope M Mason Williams can slide back into the Triple A, um, you know, realm and 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 act as depth. And you're going to have to look at a couple other guys to be those those type of options. But you know, Tomas Nito's playing with a bunch of confidence. Uh, the pitching staff, I think, <laughs> um, really responds well to the dual headed monster behind the plate as far as uh, keeping everybody on their toes and and playing to the strengths that each backstop might bring, that each pitcher may bring, and kind of letting those things work in orchestra and and really just come up with a course of a, a course of attack that's been effective for a lot of these pitchers. Uh, you guys saw on the on the broadcast on Thursday, Jeremy Hefner was talking about the work that you know him and, and his staff have done and uh, just kind of keeping everybody on an even keel. And, you know, it's a long season. And I think as fans, we have to remember that, too. It's a very long season. There's going to be tough losses. There's going to be, you know, listless nights like they were on Thursday when the offense just didn't show up against a guy who arguably shouldn't have beat him. It happens. But, um, you know, big picture, this team is doing wonderful things. Uh, I think we all feel the energy. We all feel the excitement. I know personally, I feel like this is something extremely special. It's just uh, things are trending that way. And uh, yeah, I couldn't be more excited about where this team is and where this team is heading. We're going to take a real short break. We'll hear from our sponsors. And uh, we're going to come back with my man, Jerry. You guys might know him as Paranormal underscore Base on Twitter. Uh, Jerry likes to gamble a little bit. And Jerry's going to give everyone, I guess, a little primer on how to approach baseball betting, which I have not a clue in the world. So uh, hopefully Jerry's going to shine some light on some, I guess, exciting little nooks and crannies of that world. Hang tight. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Football is back. And the best bet you can make is downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It doesn't matter if you're new to gambling or an old pro. FanDuel has something for everyone. And as an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you know your bets are safe. There's also never been a better time to use FanDuel because right now you'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. You can even turn a small wager into a big payday with a same-game parlay bet. Just sign up with the promo code SPOTIFY to place your first bet risk-free on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Fall Line is a true crime podcast covering the coldest cases in the southeastern United States and occasionally beyond. We focus on the missing persons, the unsolved murders, and the unidentified does that don't get media attention. Empathetic and intensively researched, The Fall Line will take you on deep dives into unsolved cases that you've never heard of and make you wonder why you haven't. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, guys, welcome back. As promised, we're back with my guy, Jerry Emmer. You guys might know him as Paranormal underscore base on Twitter. And folks, Jerry is a gambler. Jerry, uh, I came across Jerry on Twitter and Jerry hit some monster NBA parlay bet. And uh, yeah, he, he's been in news articles and stuff since. So Jerry Emmer, welcome to the show. And uh, what's going on on the uh, on the on the gambling side of the fence? What's up, my brother? Well, uh, things are starting to pick up a little bit. It was a, a little bit of a dry spell in the NBA. It was a lot of nonsense going on. People getting 
you know, kicked out of games, foul trouble, and uh, things are starting to really uh, look good right now. That's awesome, man. And um, I guess in my experience with MLB gambling, which if you watch MLB Network or even watch SNY before the Mets games now, it's a big push towards uh, towards money lines, towards uh, towards you know parlay bets or prop bets on, on who's going to hit a homer or whatever the case may be. Um, can you talk a little bit about that world? Yeah, well, it's you know it's definitely uh, it's it's something different because you know. Back when I grew up, it was uh, the old uh, the, the old sheets, you know, the, the illegal gambling and stuff like that. You had to go right. to the shady corner store and, and pick your sheets out. And now it's more of a, a, a real public push and legalized. And uh, it's it's everywhere now. And you're getting, a, you know, a whole new crowd of people. It's becoming a real, real big market. So now, like, you know, if I'm looking down, like, again, I'm in New York. So this is still... Um, off limits for us. And of course I'd never do anything illegal. <laughs> so, um, you know, just looking down the sheets and stuff and, and, you know, you see like a Vladimir Guerrero's like what, like plus two sixty. which for anyone who's not familiar with the gambling side, that means you would have to bet a hundred to win $260, um, to hit a home run. And that's like pretty much where he's sitting these days. Cause he's on fire, but you know, um, I think it's the, it's gambling in the truest sense of the word, I guess, <laughs> You know, I was always taught as a kid, and it was the same deal for us. You know, if you wanted to go out and gamble, you had to like know a bookie and just, you know, it, it was um, it, it was a kind of an underbelly type thing. Um, you know, my dad always said, you know, be careful gambling baseball. It's, it's very unpredictable. You might think that a pitcher has this team's number and, 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 you know, things just fall apart. He might just not have it that night or guys see something. There's just too much that you can't predict. And uh, with this parlay and the prop bets and stuff like that, it's just, you know, it seems like it's little things. I know uh, you see guys go out there like, oh, no one's going to score for the first inning or something like that. And, you know, you put a few of those together and, you know, oh, yeah, you look at Jacob DeGrom who hasn't had a, a base runner in in the first inning since, uh, oh, I don't know, like the middle of May or something like that, or the beginning of May. And it's like, oh, well, that's a, that's a, that's free money, right? Yeah, it's 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 kind of crazy because I'm I'm kind of new to the, the baseball betting market myself. It's uh you know I just moved to Jersey last year, so now I'm really getting to dig into it. And <laughs> there, there's a there's a lot of ways to make money. It's it's it is very unpredictable. It's 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 scary to put your money on baseball because you you know baseball hitting a baseball is probably the hardest thing of of any sport. But uh, I I have had a really good run with these these home run picks and. Uh, I think the last there's a thing it's called Dinger Tuesday on on FanDuel where they do a bonus you you bet twenty five dollars on a guy to hit a home run and for every home run in that game they give you five dollars so even if the guy doesn't hit a home run if there's four home runs in the game you get twenty dollars back not really much of a loss uh, but uh, this this past Tuesday I, I did a poll and uh, Fernando Tatis won the poll and he hit a home run <laughs> so. <laughs> Before that, I was uh, I was like seven for my last eight and picking the home runs on Tuesdays. It was like it's it's absurd and it's a lot of luck, but it's just uh, it's really really fun and that it's little little bonuses like that where you don't go too crazy because you know obviously degeneracy can really really come with with this kind of stuff. But as long as you keep it disciplined and and do little things like that, you can have a good time and and. If you lose, you won't lose that much. <laughs> I always encourage people, don't go crazy with your bankroll. You know, I don't really do big bets. I've been doing a little bigger bets lately because 
uh, I've been hitting them basketball. So my bankroll's bigger, but I keep telling people $5, $10, don't go too crazy. You know, that that's uh, my, my big thing is trying to get people not to get addicted to this. Well, I mean, that's the biggest thing. I mean, it breaks down. I mean, I mean, even in my past, I had addiction issues when I was, you know, in my late teens and half of my twenties were just wiped out. And, you know, I'm well past those times. I'm 37 now, but you know, it, even like ripping open packs of baseball cards, you almost feel it because especially now that there's so much money in it, you know, you, you, you feel that, that pull and it's like, Holy shit, this is actually uh, quite addicting. <laughs> and it's, you know, everything in moderation, that's probably the best advice I got when it comes to anything of that nature, everything in moderation and, and you know, just can't play with money. You don't have all, all the, you know, silly cliches that we've heard, but um, you know, it's, for so long, like, you know, for someone my age, maybe someone your age, as you were saying before, it was such a taboo thing. And now it's in the mainstream and it's on FanDuel or, or, you know, the places that you were playing daily fantasy games, you know, now you're placing your bets. And um, it, it just, it feels uh, at least for someone or for anybody who has their minds or just their lives kind of entwined with sports. And um, it's like you said, it's a, it's a very, very fun way to uh to watch sports just take it all in and you know if you make a few bucks at it great but uh i think safety first that's probably your most important aspect right absolutely it's a that's the biggest thing is you know i it, it's uh what what people to you know to my twitter and everything like that what was that big hit i had back in october where i, I bet a hundred dollars on a crazy parlay you know it was uh Carson Wentz had to score the first touchdown of the game and he had to be running it in. Uh, it was very specific. You know, I had, I had a Boston Scott to score a touchdown, <laughs> score a touchdown, the Eagles to win. Like it was a lot going on in that parlay, but I felt pretty good about it. And I had, I had actually won a nice chunk earlier in that week on Mookie Betts hitting a home run. So, you know, I had the money to burn and I, I did it and it paid off. But after that, I, you know, I, I gained the following people wanted to, you know, tail my bets. I really toned it down $5, $10 because that, that could be dangerous for people. So it's, yeah. I'm trying really hard to like promote uh, more cheaper bets and it's paying off. I see people doing the same bets and, you know, every once in a while you get someone throwing crazy money and I'm like, Oh, it's not the best idea, to, but it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's a work in progress. I got a lot of young guys following 21, 22 years old. These guys are just getting out of college. You know, uh, every once in a while I'll do a parlay, it hits. And I have someone in my inbox saying, Oh, I'm a college kid. This means a lot to me. And I got to warn them. Like, you know, you, you had a nice little hit there. Don't go throwing it back. Cause you can lose that money real quick, really yeah. fast. I had a really big dry spell in basketball. Uh, I would say probably mid April, to mid-May, very, very dry. And I lost a nice chunk, but, it, you know, it wasn't that bad because I was up so much for the, you know, for the year. Yeah. It didn't really hurt me that much, but I can only imagine someone uh, hitting a big parlay and then having that dry spell that I had, they would be uh, evicted. You know, that, that, it, yeah. it could be that bad. So it's, it's very, very dangerous, but at the same time, I think I'm, I'm really getting to these people with, with these uh, being responsible about it. Yeah, I think it's, that's what I was just going to say. It sounds like you're encouraging responsibility. And I think that's half the battle. I mean, you know, anyone 
you can talk to anyone in any walk of life and they know someone who's been affected by whether it's gambling, whether it's drinking, whether it's drugs, just some sort of addiction issue. And, you know, it's deeper seated than just, oh, wow, I had too much fun. But, you know, this isn't the show to discuss all that. <laughs> but but it's, um you know, it's it's moderation. It's just playing within within the lines of uh, of reason. And, and, you know, it sounds like you're doing your best to kind of guide people into the the, the smarter way to go about this. And, you know, everyone can go out and have fun and you're all adults and do what you're going to do, but yeah, do it, do it wisely because uh, you know, it affects other people. And it's, you know, it's, it's been fun. So like, you know, when you, you look at baseball now, like, you know, I said, it's very unpredictable. Uh, a lot of these guys like these, you know, these no run first innings and it's pretty cool. It's, it's been pretty profitable for a lot of people. You know, you have uh, guys who really do dig in and do their research, so, you know, yeah. and you parlay a few of those together and you're getting, you know, plus money and they're making, they're making some money in it and they're making slow cash. It's not a, it's not a big thing where you're not going to hit the jackpot over it, but it's, it's something fun. But then another thing that's going on is it's pretty cool that you, you could bet a guy for one hit. So you got a guy going in and uh, you know, you look at the matchup, you know, I looked at a, a matchup last week. It was Tim Anderson. I forget who was on the mound. And I, I looked and I was like, Wow, Tim Anderson's like three. He's three for five in the last game against this guy. He's seeing him well. He sees the ball well off this guy. I bet him for two hits at a plus one fifty, and he had three hits in the first four innings. You know, it's like it, it's little things you got to really look for like that. You can't really blind bet uh, this kind of thing. You you, you really got to do your research. Uh, I, I've been getting real lucky with these home run bets because uh, I'll think of a guy. I'll be like, you know something. Manny Machado has been real quiet lately and I'll, uh, I'll look up his stats and I'll be like, wow, he has, you know what? He hasn't hit a home run in six games. I think I'm going to bet him to hit a home run and then first inning he'll hit a bomb. So it, it's really bizarre. Like yeah, that's the be- best way to do it. It's like a guy is like a really good ball player. You see him in a cold streak, you know, and um, you know, it's coming, you know, it's yeah. coming. So then that, that's a good time to jump on those guys. Uh, but th- those one hit parlays, like if you, if you get a, you know, a good hitter, you, you, one for four is below average for them. So you add up, you add up four of those guys before you know it, you have a nice little plus money bet and you're building your bankroll that way. Just getting one hit from a guy is not asking for the world. That's awesome. It's layers <laughs> upon layers of strategy. It's, it's, uh, it's right up my alley. And again, I can't wait for things to go uh, legal in New York. So I could just dabble, uh, you know, your equivalent, equivalent of penny stocks. I'm not sure my wife would be too happy about me throwing away money. Yeah, uh, even uh, 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 Walker the other day, he, he's, he had 8Ks the, the previous game. Yeah. And uh, his over-under was five and a half. And they, uh, certain states, Jersey was one of them that allows you to just pick your strikeouts. And uh, I picked I picked him up to 10. I was like, you know what? He's been pitching really well. And he had 12. And it was like plus 1,000 for him to get 10 strikeouts. That was, so that was pretty cool. That's uh, amazing. Little stuff like that. You know, you got to really – uh, dig in and see see how the guy's looking, how he's trending and, and stuff like that. But there's a lot of pages online you can follow where, where people dig in and do the research and they give it out for free. Oh, I mean, dude, I mean, I, you know, just thinking about it right now, like, you know, all right. So let's say you got, I don't know, trying to think of a picture with a really, really great off speed. Let's say you have Sonny Gray going. Sonny Gray's having a very under the radar solid season or even a, uh, what's uh, Luis Castillo from the Reds, who's having a really, really not great season, but he's been picking it up. High potential type of guy. 
you know, you, you see him facing a team that struggles against the slider, you know, that's a, it's a, it's a certainly a, uh, it's an angle to take. And that's where the predictability comes in. Yeah. I mean, he might not have his slider that night, but with that sort of repertoire, it gives you better odds than you would have normally. Right. Right. So that's pretty, uh, pretty wild. It's, it's going to be fun for you guys. I think you guys are getting it. Uh, I, I, you hope for football season, but uh, Cuomo signed off on this like four months ago. So yeah. you know how bills work. They're going to be bouncing around and uh, the uh, New York lotto wants a piece of it. Of course they do. So it, it's, it's going to be a, a little process, but I think you guys will be good by the end of the year because uh, everybody else is doing it and they're making a killing on taxes. Wow. Yeah, it's fun. And the, the state definitely needs it right now. I know after uh, after the whole COVID thing, um, they're scrambling. I know they they legalized recreational cannabis. They're uh, they're trying to pony up. That's for sure. By any means. <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely. Jerry, what are your thoughts on our Metsies these days? You know, there's something special about this team. Like I'm I'm a, I'm a overly optimistic fan like this, <laughs> you know Mets Twitter as you know is a toxic wasteland but uh there's there's a there's a there's a bunch of us out there that are you know we we ride with our guys I'm I'm the guy that's like pushing like you know when Edwin Diaz the, the trade happened uh you know and he struggled a little bit I was the one arguing with everybody like leave the guy alone you know <laughs> you know they're saying real they could say some really nasty things online about these guys and uh it feels really uh, rewarding for especially a guy like Diaz who's pitching lights out, you know, uh, these guys that you rooted for that were struggling and everything's just coming to fruition. Like these guys are just all playing well. Like, you know, the Pilar signing, people were bashing that too. Like, Oh, look, another cheap signing and look at him. Like the guy's one of the brightest spots on our team. So it's like little things like that. It's like, everything is just like good. Like the negativity is going away. People are, are happy the bench mob is just like carrying our team uh, it's just exciting man oh it's something else i mean look at marcus stroman before he you know go heading into this season a lot of fans are getting on him for a lot of reasons you know their own personal nonsense in some cases but um you know he's pretty much shut up all those haters uh, effectively and he's been consistent um francisco lindor he's been a little up and down he had a very rough start but he's starting to pick it up Dom Smith is starting to come around. We were just talking about this in the first half of the show, actually. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, it's um, it's encouraging, and I'm with you 100. percent It certainly feels like something special is happening. Yeah, Marcus Stroman's my guy, man. That's that guy's <laughs> one of my favorite uh, athletes in general. Not just not just a baseball player. He's a. I tweeted. We we used to tweet back and forth. It, it was uh really really cool. He used to respond to my tweets. I always supported him. And uh, people expect the world like before even they had their own personal beliefs, like, you you know, he came to the team. They still they didn't like him already because he wasn't the Grom, you know, because Stroman was a big name. He was a polarizing, you know, a a player. So when he got traded to the Mets, people expected this dominance, but that's not his game. He is a ground ball pitcher. He's going to get he's going to fight. He's going to battle. He's going to, you know, get out of, you know, a a three ERA is 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 great, like. And they want they they want to see the low twos from you know from these guys. They're all studied. Oh, this guy's not elite. No, this 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 guy's very very good at what he does. He needs defense. You know, he needs guys around him. And now his strikeouts are, are coming around. Uh, this guy's going to be hard to resign. Oh yeah. No, I mean, I'd like to think that maybe 
the Mets have and have a, an inside track towards that because he seems to be really enjoying himself. The team has money to spend now um, with, with Syndergaard even more a question mark than he has been. Um, you'd think that, you know, this is a guy who's in his prime, who's been healthy the last few years. Now he's pitching consistently well uh, as he was, you know, before his injuries and even in the first half of 2019. Yeah. Um, I think he's a shoe in. Um, you've hearing the now you're hearing fans start to call for it more, like extend Stroman. And I wouldn't blame him for testing the market, but I, I do think that the Mets have some sort of inside track, or at least I hope they do as a fan. Well, I think it's a, a much easier decision now because uh, unfortunately Syndergaard went down with that injury. That was going to be probably like the big choice the Mets had to make yeah. between the two. And now you have a chance that you might be able to keep both, you know, Syndergaard yeah. rehabbing. You're going to get a, a, a way better price if, if you extend him or, or whatever. Um, and now, now you have a chance to keep a, like a big three in your rotation. And that's big for a baseball team. So I, that's, that's exciting to see what kind of approach they're going to take with that because, you know, are you going to focus on offense, defense, pitching? Uh, I really want to see what this new, you know, this new management really focuses on because every guy, every management has their niche. And we really don't know. We really haven't figured out what this team's niche is going to be going forward. Yeah. And it looked like this offseason, it was depth. And that was it's worked out very well so far because thank goodness they focused on depth. And, you know, they're going to have to come to decisions on Conforto. Um, I believe Walker. I don't I don't think I think Walker was only a one year deal. Two year deal. Oh, it was. Yeah, we got him. uh, We got it for a nice. uh, I think it was two years, 40 million or two years, whatever it was. It was. uh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't forty. It was. It was a two year deal, but it was uh, maybe two twenty. Two twenty, I think it was. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I don't have it in front of me. See, that's what I get for pulling stuff out of my ass. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, they're gonna have holes to fill, but you would think with the progress they made and with the development they saw out of some guys that came into twenty twenty one as question marks, uh, maybe they might shift those. I guess shift their their sites onto uh, maybe bigger fish and there, there might be a couple out there. There might even be some on the trade market this year, but you know, now they're going to be hitting the, the point where guys are going to be coming back. They're going to have too many guys for not enough spots again. And uh, yeah, I think there it's good problems to have and you know, more power to them because they are uh, absolutely cruising these days. And, and we, we didn't even get to see Cookie Carrasco yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I completely forgot about him at this point, right? I, I mean, everybody has. Like, I, I, I don't think about the guy until I hear about his rehab assignment. You know, I, you forget about him. And this guy has been uh, a quality, quality number two pitcher in the American League. Okay. And when you, you, you have to make the adjustments with, with stats in the American League, because it's always been tougher, better hitters. So if you translate that to the National League, you know, if this guy has a couple years, good years left in him, if this guy can float in the mid threes, uh, ERA, you know, you know, ERA is kind of an overblown stat these days, but you know, ba- basically a baseline. That's great for this rotation. Are you kidding me? Like, uh, you know, then Syndergaard. You know, there's just so many factors. Like, oh, if Syndergaard comes back and Carrasco comes back. That's Jake and four number twos. Like, good luck facing that in the postseason. And then in the postseason, you're throwing one of these guys in the pen. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? Imagine, seeing, imagine seeing Taiwan Walker in the eighth inning. Oh, my gosh. 
this because this guy has to really like hold back his stuff to to go the, the distance. Imagine him in one inning just unloading. <laughs> oh my goodness, he's throwing. I know everyone's been talking about it a lot the past couple of weeks. He's throwing two different fastballs now. So he throws the four seam and the two seam that cuts in on um, uh, right-handers' hands. And boy, yeah, like you said, if he's just going for one inning, he could really open it up. Boy, you're getting like 101 on your hands. Oh, good luck. <laughs> oh, good luck with that. And, and Seth Lugo, when he comes around and gets to form, like, there's, and can you imagine, like, our bullpen has been so good, and you think, all right, the bull, Mets bullpen is good. Seth, Seth Lugo's got to be a big part of that. No, he was he was out. And, and now when he gets to form, oh, my goodness, forget it. Yeah. No, he's already – he's been solid since he came back, and that curve looks excellent. And Diaz, like you were saying before, it, it just – Everybody's coming together. I think Rojas has done a great job of keeping everybody motivated. Um, I will admit, I know I, I'm, a, I'm a Rojas apologist, but, uh, you know, he, he has made a few. <laughs> ah, here, I'm going to tie it up nicely. He's taken a few gambles on the bench and, um, you know, they haven't always paid off for him. They've kind of backfired in some cases, but he, he, the other half of a manager's job is keeping his guys motivated, keeping his guys fired up and, on that end, um, I don't think there's just been anybody as effective as him. Maybe uh, what's his name out in San Francisco? What the hell yeah. is his name? <laughs> Gabe Kapler. Yeah, that, no, that guy's a, a nut job. <laughs> yeah, he sure is. He yeah. sure is. But again, the conversation for another another different episode. <laughs> Jerry, where can everybody find you on um, on Twitter? Uh, at paranormal underscore base. What's the what's the story behind that? I have to ask. That's that's my old uh, DJ name from nice. uh, my early twenties. <laughs> awesome. What is it like techno or like we're yeah, just like, like house? You know, all, all uh, that good stuff. Give me underground hip hop, bro. That's that's what I wanted to tie paranormal bass into. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love I love my hip hop and I, you know, I love all genres, but the, I mean, it was uh, the house music early in my twenties. Very nice. Well, Jerry, I can't thank you enough for coming on. I think um, as the season goes on and, you know, I guess MLB embraces its uh, <laughs> formerly estranged gambling roots. Um, I, I'd like to have you back on. We'll kind of discuss where this is all going and uh, and take it from there. Yeah, I'd love to be back on. Let me know. Awesome, man. Well, thank you again for coming on. Everybody, you know where to find us. We'll be back on Monday, uh, hopefully with some uh Good reports back from Washington over the weekend. And, uh, yeah, this train will keep on moving. You guys know where to find the show. Let's go Mets. We'll see you next time. Peace. Go Mets.